you're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Dan Seabrook, and I'm here today with another Dan, Dan Steinman, who is the uh, General Manager of EMEA at Gainsight. Dan, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, Dan. Good. No, no, no problem at all. It's good to have you on the show. So, Dan, the topic for today's episode is is customer success, a growth engine for recurring revenue businesses. Before we go into that conversation, Dan, could you please give us a a little bit of background on yourself and your company, which, of course, is Gainsight? Yeah, sure. I grew up in the technology world. I spent 30 plus years in Silicon Valley. So I've seen lots of technology come and go. Almost all of my career has been on the post-sales side of the business. So I've been managing or dealing with customers almost all my life. And then sometime in the middle of the year of 2000s, that role became named customer success. So it's a role I've done for a long time. And now the terminology around it has changed. And a few other things have changed as well, which we'll probably talk about. But along the way, I uh, came across Gainsight when I was at Marketo. I came across Gainsight as a technology to help recurring revenue businesses manage their customers. And I was in that spot at Marketo where I I needed something like that. I was thinking I might have to build my own solution, but I actually, eight years ago now, became Gainsight's third customer because we had almost a thousand customers and I had four customer success managers and there was just no way to be efficient or effective in managing those customers without some kind of a, a solution technology like Gainsight. So and then I joined Gainsight seven years ago and I've done a number of jobs since then. And as you mentioned, I'm now in uh, living in London, managing our European operation. Okay. No, that makes sense. And I appreciate your background there. And, and, and just on that point around the, the time you spent at Marketo and now having joined uh, again, so and seen it from the other perspective, what sort of effort or legwork do you think a company like Marketo or any other company that are thinking about having to go down that process of building a solution himself to do what you were trying to achieve? How, how difficult would that be? I guess, how difficult would an organization find it to put in place what Gainsight are, are of course, doing on a, every single day? Yeah, it's pretty challenging. We get kind of asked this pretty frequently, like, couldn't I build this myself? And my very cheeky answer to that question is, yes, if you have 320 engineers who are working around the clock every single day, uh, and several thousand man years of effort over the last seven years, you can yeah. definitely build it because that's what we put into it. Now, the non-cheeky answer is you could approximate you know, some reasonable percentage of Gainsight by customizing your CRM solution, as an example, or using a BI tool and then expanding that. But there's always going to be something missing. And invariably, when we show our product to someone who's tried to build it in whatever solution, they're always like, oh, yeah, we wanted that, but that was really hard to do. And that's something we haven't ever thought of. And the rest of it is exactly what I've been trying to do. And I think the bottom line is every single new business that has a technology kind of platform goes through this where you have to establish that there's something different and there's enough difference that you can't build it in an existing tool. You actually have to have something that was built specifically for this purpose. And I think we're almost there probably in the customer success world. Today, you know, no one ever thinks about building their own CRM system. I think in the next few years, we'll find the same thing. No one thinks about building their own customer success solution either. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And so um, 
as you're talking about your background there and as your your role has sort of evolved as the terminology for what the role entails has evolved it sounds as if of course um over the years you've you've become an expert really in the world of customer success and that's led to you of course being the co-author of the book customer success how innovative companies are reducing churn and growing recurring revenue so you know all the ins and outs of customer success and how companies are, are using it to their advantage and to uh, to accelerate their growth objectives could you please sort of give us a little insight into that book and what some of the key takeaway points are that the, the readers can can learn from it. Yeah, happy to do that. You know, we're obviously really proud of the book. We we see the book and the and the sales of the book as a barometer for what's happening in the customer success movement. And it really is a movement. It's kind of an industry unto itself. And so when we see the book, in fact it's funny, our my editor sent me an email a few weeks ago, and he said, this is the first business book I've ever seen, ever seen that has sold more copies in the second year than it did in the first year and more copies in the third year than it did in the second year. Because most most business books have a pretty accelerated start and then it kind of tapers off. But what's happened in our world is that the industry of customer success has been growing so fast. And it's a result of the movement into the subscription economy that uh, the need for some level of kind of working knowledge about what customer success is, what it means, is so high that the book continues to kind of accelerate in sales, not so much as an indicator of the fact that it's like the best book ever written. It's probably not, but just that the industry is moving. And not only is is it moving, but there is a need because customer success is so new there's a real need for a community aspect, uh, a place to go, if you will, that confirms that I'm not alone doing this. I'm not stupid. I'm not five years behind the rest of the world. And the book is one solution to that. Another solution is the conference that we do every year, which is really an industry conference around customer success. And we did it for the seventh time in May in San Francisco and had almost 6,000 people there. So that continues to be a barometer uh, as far as the whole customer success movement as well. Back to the book. I mean, the, I, I did most of the typing of the book. People ask me how long it took me to write it. My answer is 35 years because it's, it's an amalgamation of kind of everything I've learned during my entire technology career. The reality is from the moment I sat down till I finished the final manuscript was about four months. And the book was written specifically aimed at CEOs of non-technology companies. And why did we do that? Well, our business for the most part today is technology companies. So they all kind of get it because most software companies are moving towards the subscription model and they kind of understand customer success. And then the rest of technology kind of follows the software company's lead. So they're moving in that direction. And we want to write a book that said, hey, this is bigger than just technology. Like every company in the world is probably going to move towards some kind of a subscription model. And when you do that, you need to think about your business and your customers in a very different way. And to the point of the podcast, the primary piece of that is that over time, your customers become one of your most important growth engines. It's not just about selling new customers. It's about renewing, if you have them on a subscription, renewing your existing customers, and then selling more to the install base. And and the bigger subscription-based companies are proving that that's a model that works really, really well. That makes sense. And, and in terms of uh, at Gainsight, you mentioned that the, the book in particular 
is focusing on CEOs or, or is aimed at CEOs of non-technology companies. And then you spoke about the, the conference that you've just held for the seventh year. We had 6,000 attendees. In terms of that conference and, and, and where the bulk of those attendees are coming from, who are you really appealing to at Games? Like what, what, who is your customer, as it were? Yeah, our customers today, I think about it uh, as concentric circles. The middle concentric circle is SaaS companies. All SaaS companies, by definition, have their customers on a subscription. And if you're a B2B SaaS company, you're developing products that are, I would say, at least relatively complex, if not very, very complex. And what every B2B software company has found in all of history is that complex software product does not install itself. It does not uh, drive adoption by itself. It's not typically viral with very, very few exceptions. And all the way from the very beginning, when Salesforce was building their business, they discovered that customers weren't adopting and then ultimately weren't renewing because they weren't getting any value out of the product. And it had to be solved with people. And then alongside those people comes technology. So Salesforce in 2004 put together the very first customer success team because they had a major churn problem and they needed people whose job was, by their definition, adoption and retention, right? So they were needing to reduce the amount of churn that they were having. And the way to do that was to get more users to adopt their software, therefore get more value, therefore be much more likely to renew their contracts. And that's kind of directionally the way the entire business has gone. And I think as as non-tech businesses move to subscription, they're going to find some of those same challenges where you can't just assume, no matter how good your product is, that the rest of the world is going to grab it and use it and use it intelligently and get maximum value out of it. It just ends up not working that way. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's a very relevant point. Now, one of the things that... um. You, you mentioned there is that in, in Salesforce in 2004 developed the first customer success team. And, and of course, a lot of others have followed suit since. With that said, I think there is still a very much a trend, at least what we see is that organizations, particularly in the early stages, of course, are very focused on driving acquisition of, of, of net new clients. And actually, yeah. at times, can, that can be to the detriment of their existing current uh, client base where whereby they're not necessarily focusing on not only renewing those customers but also expanding those customers into into larger accounts for them a recent study showed that um customer acquisition of, of net new clients it costs up upwards of five times more than customer retention but but we still do see that there's a lot of organizations aren't necessarily putting the same amount of emphasis or focus on on keeping or well i guess investing properly in their in their current client base so why do you believe that happens? And, and, and do you, I mean, it sounds as if you do see a shift happening, but do you see the shift happening at a, at a fast enough pace whereby the, the, the people are really investing as much in their, in their customer success teams as they are in their new business sales teams, if you like? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Dan. By the way, the, the research that we use from Pacific Crest says that to acquire a dollar of annual recurring revenue costs about a dollar and 18 cents. Some things I've seen have that cost as high as a dollar 50. Then the, the next two numbers are really stark in contrast. And that is the cost of expanding an existing customer is 14 cents for a dollar. And the cost of renewing an existing customer is nine cents for a dollar of ARR. So it's almost an order of magnitude difference between 
the cost of getting additional money out of your install base versus acquiring new customers. And I think in a recurring revenue business, one of the mantras that you have to just understand is that you can no longer acquire your way to success. You can get customers in the front door as fast as possible. And if you aren't, but if you aren't plugging the bottom of the bucket, so to speak, and getting those customers to get value so they're buying more, then you just don't have a chance. And in fact, the Salesforce again is the perfect example. They they had a terrible churn problem. They were really good at acquiring new customers. In fact, their number of new customers was quadrupling in 2003 versus 2002. But when almost every single one of those customers was churning until they actually formulated a customer success plan. So uh, it's absolutely critical to the long-term viability of a recurring revenue business. And to answer your question, I think generally speaking, most companies are not investing as quickly as they probably should be in the in their install base. And I think the main reason for that is that they they have primarily built into their DNA this idea that sales drives everything. And most of us who grew up in the technology industry, at least more than 15 years ago, always have that on the top of our head. Like sales is the only thing that matters. It's it's the driver of our business. It's our quarterly business imperative is to find X number of new customers and increase our selling price to them. And it was all about acquisition. And so every company kind of naturally has in their DNA, the idea of sales, the celebration of sales, et cetera. And only in the last, I'd say for any more than about 15 companies, only in the last 10 years has the post-sales part of the business become much more meaningful as far as a revenue imperative. So it's not a surprise because it's still very, very new. And a lot of the change is really hard because the people who become successful in a world where sales was everything have to struggle to, to make the change to thinking about it very, very differently. And almost every, every CEO I've met almost is bent towards sales or product and not naturally bent towards customers. And part of this process is forcing them to bend towards customers just as much as they bend towards sales. And I think it's happening. And it's happening because it's 100% necessary or your business won't survive. But it's still taking a long time and there's still a lot of education to be done. And I think there's still a fair amount of frustration on the part of people like me or people who are in customer success who still see companies not driving with this level of urgency that they probably should be this idea of, of the revenue growth that can come from a, from a good, solid, financially viable kind of install base. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, well, there's a, there's a couple of points on that. The first one is that I think probably companies struggle to, or find it tricky to at least uh, measure customer success. And whether that's just because of the, the sort of KPIs or metrics that they do indeed use internally to, to do so. The second piece is, despite the, the stats that you described around it being much more cost effective to expand or renew uh, existing customers as it is to acquire new customers, I believe um, organizations struggle to attribute revenue back to, to investments in customer success, whether that's building a team, whether that's investing in technology. But, but it, it, it's probably a challenge to at least sell that internally if, they're, if their sort of methodology or, or, I guess, processes internally have always been driven towards sales or product. It's, it's, it's tricky to, to build that business case internally. From your perspective, being now within a technology company 
in a customer success world. How do you see that technologies can help companies to measure it, number one? And what, what are the real key metrics or KPIs that you believe companies need to use to truly measure the success of their customers and, and of course, then generate more revenue from that install base? Yeah, to, to use an old analogy, history tends to repeat itself. And I think what's happening today is, is a very, very close analogy to what happened over the last 15 years, the difference between what part of the customer life cycle are we talking about? For th- so for the last 15 or 20 years, there's been literally billions and billions of dollars spent in creating and selling and buying technology to help optimize the funnel, right? Everything was about the funnel, the funnel meaning the top part of the sales process. So can we get more leads into the top of the funnel? Can we get better leads into the top of the funnel? Can we convert them at a higher rate every step down the way? And ultimately, can that lead to more customers being acquired? And every CRM system and every marketing automation tool and every lead optimization product, this was the goal, right? And literally, I mean, just think about Salesforce plus Marketo plus Microsoft Dynamics plus Eloqua plus, you know, a few other companies. I mean, literally billions and billions of dollars were spent. And at the end of it, the, real, the reality of what that money was being spent on was getting a better understanding of our prospects, not customers, but prospects. So what we think is happening now, it's clearly happening, by the way, is that the same mentality and the same processes are happening with regard to actual customers versus prospects. And that is, if we understand more about our customers, will we not be more successful in giving them value, delivering ROI to them, being able to sell them more, renewing them at higher rates, right? So I think the process that happened on the prospect side, whereby we as companies became like really, really intelligent about our prospects. Like think about today's world. If you ask the CMO, hey, what do you know about your prospects? The answer is a lot. I know every time they've been to our website, I know exactly how many minutes They've spent on our pricing page. I know every meal, email that we've sent to them, whether it bounced, whether it got opened up, whether they downloaded what was in it, how many behind the paywall things have they looked at on our website, downloading white papers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's all of this information about prospects that's happened. And it's helped us to be much smarter about how to deal with those prospects. And our argument, I think inarguable, is there's way more information about customers than there is about prospects. And if we can tap into that other load of information and use it to our advantage, we can have tremendous success with customers that we haven't been having. Because think about the amount of stuff that a SaaS company knows about their customers versus their prospects. We know every single click they've ever made in our application. We know every invoice they've ever received and when they paid it. We know every support case they've ever opened and how long it was open and what priority it was and every email we've ever sent them and whether they opened it, et cetera, et cetera, the plethora of information. And if you can pull that all together and mine through it in an intelligent way, you can understand how healthy your customers are. And that's the heart of customer success is how healthy are my customers? And depending on how healthy they are, I want to intervene. And this is what drives ultimately drives bottom line revenue. I think because if you've done if you've done a SaaS company as Salesforce did 
without a customer success team, you know that the churn rates are really high and that your upsell is impossible because if you don't have a satisfied customer, there's no way you're selling them more. So if we can pull that data together and say, we know how healthy our customers are, we know which ones are likely to buy our next product when we have one to sell, we know which ones are in trouble and we should intervene with them to help get them back on the right track. So they are going to be good advocates for us. By the way, advocacy is another component of this. We live in this connected world where prospects are calling customers all the time without going through our reference program. So we better make sure those customers are are actually getting value from us so that those conversations with our prospects that are kind of blind reference checks, if you will, are positive conversations because it actually drives new business sales as well, not just retention. So at the end of all of that is this concept that uh, customer success, much like the prospecting part of our world, has to become a process-driven, data-driven organization in order to deliver the results that we want, which is higher retention rates and more and more upsell. Absolutely. And there, there's a lot of interesting points there. And I guess what it all comes down to is, is not only from Gainsight, at least from your perspective, not just selling them a technology, but helping helping customers' perspective or opinion on, on where they should be investing their money start to shift a little bit. I don't think it's going to be an easy task to completely shift the mindset of away from new business sales to, to customer success. And of course, as the driving acquisition of new clients is, is vital, but it, it sounds as if there's a shift happening, but it, it needs to sort of probably uh, accelerate in terms of the pace of that shift. Um, yeah, so that, that's well sorry. said. Right? There is a shift happening for sure, but I think there is a need to accelerate the pace of that, especially as more and more companies move into the subscription economy or beyond. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Dan, I think we're moving towards the, the end of, of our time today. Really appreciate your insights and for, for taking the time to, to speak with, with us. I, I know I've certainly started to think about our own customers and how we can get more knowledge from them and, and understand them better. If, if anyone wants to learn more about Gainsight or continue this conversation offline or, or know more about you and, and your book as well, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you and, and the company? Yeah, if anybody who wants to certainly can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find Dan Steinman. The book is online. You can buy it at Amazon. Just search for customer success. It'll typically be the first thing that pops up. And if you're interested in Gainsight, go to the website, obviously gainsight.com, request to be contacted or request a demo. Or what most people would do when they go to gainsight.com is actually go to our resources page and just start absorbing some of the thought leadership, right? If you haven't bought the book or you want more than the book, there are literally hundreds of blogs and webinars and sessions from Pulse that'll give people a really good education in the world of customer success. And most of that is not bent towards trying to sell our product. It's just trying to educate people on what customer success is and why it's important. And we believe if if we do that, if we educate the world on how important this is, then obviously some of those companies are probably going to need some software at some point and we'll be there to help if that time comes. Absolutely. Great. Well, many thanks once again, Dan. It's great having you on the show today and uh, I certainly look forward to hearing more from, uh, from Gainsight and yourself in the future. Yeah, my pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale 
required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.